Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to our little church by the sea. I am so glad that you're here this morning. I kind of feel like the main event has already taken place. I don't think there is anything more significant and more powerful than giving our children to God and dedicating their lives to him, that they could walk with the Lord all the days of that. It's a hugely uh, important step for a parent to do this. And so, Lindsay, so glad for your family and all the families here that dedicated their children. So one of the reasons, probably a main reason that I'm a Christian and certainly that I'm a pastor, is that I have seen God step into the toughest situations of life over and over and over and work miracles. I've seen God take people who have been in the darkest nights of the soul and seeing a miracle-working God bring them out of the toughest places that you can ever imagine. And I've said this many, many times that the single most important thing about you is what you think about God. There's nothing more important in life than that one issue. What do you think about God? Is God a powerful, miracle-working God, or is God just out there somewhere and you're not quite sure who he is or where he might be? God can do all things, the scripture says. Nothing is impossible with God. All things are possible. There's nothing that God can't do. And I don't know what situation you might be facing in your life today, how tough it could be, how you have maybe in prayer struggled to find God and find an answer. I want you to know this morning that God has heard your prayers and he's been there for you. He's been there for you. He'll always be there for you. God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. All things work together for good. You can count all things as joy no matter how tough they might be. God will work everything in your life for the better. You can always trust God. He's going to be there for you no matter what. You can always trust Him. You can put your confidence in God. Because God loves us, and though we might not understand all the things that take place, you can trust him fully and completely for the rest of your life. And Sunday after Sunday, we stand up here, and that's the message that we want to give to you, that God is alive and you can trust him, you can put your confidence in him, there's nothing that he can't do. And we're going to see a story today that took place that's going to show us that there is nothing that God can't do. And whatever you're facing in life, maybe it's something that you go, well, it's impossible. God cannot deal with this. I'll tell you, God can deal with this. He can deal with the toughest things that you think God could never deal with. God will deal with it and God will see you through. He always does. He always will. That's why I can stand up here in full confidence and speak these messages like Jeff can and the other speakers at this church 
because we know who God is and what God can do. So what are you facing this morning? What tough things are you going through? May this passage of Scripture that we're going to look at today, may it be a great encouragement. Because we're going to look at a woman. We're going to look at a mother. We're going to look at somebody who desperately needs God to show up, and she's not even quite sure that it's possible. So, we're going to look at Luke chapter 7. I'm going to, it's, I, got, I got the passage on the overhead here. You just want to look in this direction. One of the reasons is I've, I've taken the New American Standard and I've taken your pew Bible, the English Standard Version, and the Amplified, and I've made what I consider to be like the easiest and best uh, reading of this passage. This is the passage of the widow's son, Luke chapter 7, verses 11 to 17. It is an extraordinary passage. There's so much for us uh, to learn from this text. And so let's read the story. Soon after, and that soon after is there because it means soon after Jesus healed the centurion's servant, Jesus went to a town called Nain, accompanied by his disciples and a very large crowd. And as Jesus drew near to the city gate, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother who was also a widow, and a considerable number of people from the town were with her. When Jesus saw her, he felt great compassion and said, Do not weep. Then Jesus stepped forward, touched the coffin, and the pallbearers came to a halt. And Jesus said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the man who was dead sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Then awe and reverent fear gripped everyone. And they began glorifying God, exclaiming, a great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about what Jesus did spread throughout all of Judea and the surrounding country. Wow, what an incredible story. And you may just think it's a story, but this uh, actually took place. Let's take a little closer look at what's going on here. Last week, Jeff gave a really excellent message from the first 10 verses of Luke chapter 7, in which the uh, servant of the centurion is healed. And following that, Jesus went to a town called Nain. Now, Nain is just a one day's journey from Capernaum, where this miracle took place with the centurion's son. So this, this incident could have taken place the very next day very next day. It's very possible that this took place the next day. And as Jesus is going uh, into this city of Nain, um, I guess I could say in colloquial terms, he's on a roll. <laughs> he's on a really, he's on a roll. He has been working miracle after miracle. The sick have been healed. Lepers have been cleansed. The hungry have been fed. And he is preaching and speaking with such power and authority that everyone is completely flabbergasted. They're astonished because they've never heard such teaching. Jesus is giving them 
breaking forth to them the teachings of the kingdom of God. And this huge crowd now has begun to follow Jesus wherever he goes. The crowds are growing. The crowds are swelling. What miracle is he going to do next? What possibly can he surprise us with tomorrow? This, this guy can just about do anything. Well, they're going to see something now that they probably never imagined that they were going to see. They're going to see the dead raised. So Jesus, with this large crowd, is about to enter into the city gate of Nain when suddenly they're met by a funeral procession. And this this, uh, mother, this mother has lost her son. He's a young man. He's probably a teenager. But making matters worse, uh, we're told that she is a widow. And that would have meant that her husband would have died sometime before her son. And so she is suffering a double tragedy. She's suffering a, uh, suffering a double tra- tragedy. And as they're going out of the city... Jesus is coming into the city. Jesus and his large group of the people following him are excited. Everything is going well. There's an anticipation in the air on one side of our story. But on the other side, we have this woman coming out in this funeral procession with many in her city who are grieving and we see the suffering and we see the pain of life all in one picture here we see the joy of the crowd and we see the suffering in the city and it's a stark contrast isn't it but it's a reality that all of us know isn't that true it's a reality all of us know that there are happy wonderful great days in life days in which everything is going well and We're at peace and our hearts are flooded with joy and and God is blessing and favor is pouring down upon our lives and we're excited about life. We all have those kinds of days, don't we? Those are days that we relish. Those are days that we're excited about. But then we also have days that are tough days. There can be terrible days. They can be days of great trial and tribulation. And I'm just thinking right now that that uh, this month is the two-year anniversary of my uh, sister-in-law's death from Parkinson, Beverly. And I, and I think about her every day. I was thinking about her yesterday and, uh, and how, how suddenly she got this disease and, and God took her. And I'm glad she's in heaven, but boy, do I miss her. You know... And God, God has comforted me that, he, that she's there. And I'm actually a little annoyed that she beat me up there first, <laughs> to tell you the truth. Uh, you know, or somebody's stricken with cancer and, and dies, and, 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 and we struggle with these things. This is a part of life. The great days of life and the tough days of life. The highs and the lows, the mountaintops and the valleys. We have 
this reality that we all go through. One year is a great year, and the next year, I've heard people say when 2018 started, oh, I hope this is a lot better than 2017. How many of you said that? <laughs> yeah, I know a bunch of you did. So, but what this, what this woman doesn't realize is that God has not passed her by. God's not forgotten her. But I cannot imagine a mother more broken than this widow of Nain as she's exiting the city gates, suffering the grief of losing this teenage son, walking towards the cemetery to bury him, wondering if she's going to probably spend the rest of her life alone when suddenly Jesus stands before her. Don't cry. Don't cry, Jesus says, with the deepest compassion and tenderness you can imagine. Don't cry. Don't cry. And before she can have any idea what's happening, Jesus steps forward he touches the coffin. The pallbearers stop. And he commands the young man to live. Young man, I say to you, arise. And heaven gloriously opens. And the power of heaven surges into this young man. And life pours all over him and the darkness and the death is driven out. And the young man sits up. <laughs> Can you imagine? He sits up and he begins to speak. Uh, we're not told what he says. What do you think he said? Anybody? Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. <laughs> Uh, or how about like, what the heck, what am I doing here? Am I sitting in a coffin? What else might he have said? I'm hungry. <laughs> Indeed. I don't know what he said. But, uh, and we also are not told of the reaction of his mother, who must have gone into a shock when suddenly this boy of hers sits up and she would have experienced unbridled joy because this boy of hers that was dead uh, is now alive. Wow. Ronnie. Which is? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, yes. So, and then there's this beautiful little phrase here, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. So what do you think about that? We're not told exactly what he did. Gave is an action word. But I can see Jesus helping this teenage boy out of the coffin, maybe straightening his shirt, 
patting him on the back and then walking him over into the embrace of his mother. Boy, what an what a embrace that would have been. If you ever want to know what God is like, if you ever want to know what Jesus is like, read that story right there. If you ever want to wonder how compassionate is God, how tender is God, how merciful is God, what does God feel, how does God act, look at that story. Now I know the raising of this young man is extreme in the sense that there's not a lot of people who are raised from the dead. However, that would lead us to a question, are there people raised from the dead today? Well, you may not think there are, uh, you may not think that people are raised from the dead today, but I've met one. I went to Cambodia and I met a man who had been dead 12 hours. He was doctor prescribed dead 12 hours. And his wife got her best friend and they prayed over this man in Cambodia for 12 hours and he came back to life. And he got out of his coffin and he walked into the village and everybody thought they were seeing a ghost. And to make a long story short, half the village came to Christ because of this miracle. Now, I sat in this man's house and I sat around a table and drank tea and the table was the coffin that he'd been laying in. This is a true story. There are people being raised from the dead. They don't take, it doesn't take place every day. But do you think God is able to raise the dead today like he did back then? Do you think, that, do you think that's possible? Does God change? Isn't one of his God's, God's attributes is that he is immutable, which means he doesn't change. God is working the same miracles today that he worked then. They're infrequent. But I'm telling you, there's nothing that God can't do. Nothing. At this point, I probably should say that if I'm ever up here preaching and God should, like, just take me and I fall dead on this stage right here, I'm going to ask that nobody in this church come up here and pray for me to be raised from the dead <laughs> because I do not want to come back. <laughs> in fact, I've always thought that when, it, when you look in the Gospel of John and you see Jesus about to raise Lazarus, it says he wept. Well, I don't think he was weeping over Lazarus being dead. I think he was weeping and bringing him back to have to live back in this world. That's speculation, but I don't think I'm too, too far off. So... Uh, one morning, I had a call, five, five o'clock in the morning, I got a call from the uh, Laguna Beach uh, Police Department asking me if I'd go to a home in town that I was being asked for, that there had been uh, a man who had died, and could I go and, and uh, just be with the wife and the family. So I got up and I went. And, uh, and while, while there, the, the coroner came and, put the body on a gurney and started to wheel the gurney out and 
the wife and I decided we were going to pray over, the, over that man and ask God to raise him from the dead. And we laid our hands on that man and prayed over him for about five minutes, asking God before they wheeled him into the, asking God for a miracle, and God did not grant that miracle. But that doesn't mean that God is incapable of doing what he did in this story today in our lives. All, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a complete mystery. Life and death is a complete mystery. And prayer is a complete mystery. You know, I was thinking of, you might, I, I don't have time to turn there, but in Acts chapter 3, we're told that for years there was a man who sat at the temple gate begging for alms and that he had been he had been infirmed from birth his entire life. Many, many years he had sat there at that gate. And that one day Peter and John walked by him and he's begging for money and, and uh, Peter stops and John stops and they look at him and they say, well, silver, silver and gold have we none, but such as we have we'll give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he stood up and he walked. And you go, wow, that's a great story. But just think about this. Jesus walked by this man for three years and never healed him. Peter and John had walked by this man longer than that probably. And he was never healed. It just was then at that moment, that day, it was his time. God decides we don't. What he's going to do. How he's going to work. His ways are not our ways. Amen? Amen? His ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are his ways higher than our ways and his thoughts higher than our thoughts. This is who God is. He does not think like we do. He does not act like we do. He does not make the decisions that we would make always. God's ways are different. He thinks different. He acts different. He moves different. He's God, we're not. And the best thing that we can do is all of us humble ourselves before him and say that. God, you're God, we're not. You're God, we're not. All right. Um, to close my message, I'm going to put five things up here on the PowerPoint to help us learn from this story. And um, these, I've learned all of these myself going through different situations of life. And um, you might want to take a picture of this because I'm not going to be able to talk uh, too long about it because we're running out of time now. But I've got five things listed here that you and I can learn from this story of the widow's son. First, uh, you must not be surprised when the fiery ordeals of life hit us. And that, that's a quote, direct quote from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, where Peter writes, Brethren, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that comes among you as if by some strange thing. But it's common. We're not to be surprised when a fiery ordeal hits us Nobody escapes from terribly difficult times in this life. You are not going to escape, and I am not going to escape. 
we are going to have super days, but also very, very tough ones. Days such as the widow of Nain experienced, facing painful life and death issues. All of us are going to face these. None of us are, are going to be exempt from facing very, very dark days and dark nights, just as we're going to have great days and great nights. Secondly, be careful to not blame God. And this was one of the things I most deal with as a pastor in, in counseling and prayer appointments. I most often deal with people who get angry at God, blame God, somehow think that God's responsible, that somehow we're all robots and God's just pulling strings and that why doesn't God do this and not do that and I don't understand why God allowed this to happen. I just want you to know that God has a high value for free will. He's not going to stop certain things from happening. But God has never promised us that he's going to fix everything. What he's promised us is that he'll walk through those things with us. Now I'm looking at Michelle Hall right here. She's just gone through the near death of her son. And her son, Austin, was, I think he was resurrected. He came near death three times in the first week. And she's sitting here, and this was like in November. And Austin's been here, and he's given testimony about how God rescued him. But we're not to blame God for accidents. We're not to blame God for things that happen in which we don't know why they happen. We're to trust God that in the midst of these things, these hard things in life, God's going to be there for us, that God loves us in the midst of the hardest things, but God does not cause everything that happens to happen. He's there to help us through them. We live in a fallen world. Sins come into this world, and there's an enemy out there, and there's all of this pressure and tension, and there's all of this warfare, and there's all this stuff taking place. It's not God's responsibility that he orchestrate everything. God has created the heavens and the earth, and he gives us free will to walk through life as we will. And we have our choices, and we make them, and there's consequences to our choices sometimes lifelong consequences to our choices. So it's very careful how we live. And don't blame God, because too many people are blaming God. They take offense against God that somehow God has failed them, and then they get resentful and angry, and they leave church, and they go, well, God wasn't there for me, and they blame God, and, they, and, they, and they, it's not God that's moved everybody. We've moved away from God when... We get angry at God and blame God for the tough things of life. Number three, work hard at responding well. And this was the theme of my, of my prayer letter this week, which I said, I believe the one overriding most important issue of life is this, not that trouble comes, but how we respond. Okay? The issue is not problems. The issue is how are we going to respond when they come. So we need to work hard at responding well when facing trials. How we respond to problems will often set the course of our life. Count it all joy when you encounter various trials, says James in chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. You may not feel joy. You obviously are not going to feel joy. But I remember when I was talking to Michelle in the hospital, she was believing, trusting God, even though her son was hovering between life and death. She was trusting God. She was not feeling joy, but she was counting it as joy that somehow God was going to work in this and it was going to come out well. 
Number four, know that God is always there in the midst of our most devastating days. And I've quoted uh, a quote from Psalm 46, verse 1. God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. God is always present in your life, in my life, but when things are especially hard, he is a very present help in time of trouble. And just let me say this. No, well, I'll finish the... I'll finish the point here, number four. No matter how terrible God promises, all things will work together for the good. Do you believe this? Can you believe this? Can you believe that the toughest, most debilitating, difficult things in life, God's going to work together for the good? I promise you, God will. And, I'm, and I can also promise you that whatever you've gone through, whatever you're going through, no matter how fiery the, the ordeal, no matter how tough the circumstance, no matter if you're on your face and on your knees and you're not understanding anything, God is refining you and shaping you and molding you and you are becoming more like Jesus than you could ever imagine in the midst of it. You just can't see it. You cannot see what God's doing. But I've often used the example of, of uh, gold is refined by plunging the unrefined gold, plunging the unrefined gold into a fiery furnace, and the fire burns off all the dross, and you pull that tong out of the kiln, and the gold's shining, beautiful gold. But the only way you can get to be like that is plunged into the fire, and everything burned off. And how many here have felt yourself in the fire of life? You felt yourself burning in life, Wondering, are you going to survive? And I'm telling you, you're coming out like pure gold. You just can't see it. When you're in the fire, it's so tough. It's so hot. It's so uncomfortable. It makes no sense. What are we doing in here? And, and all along, gold's coming forth. Do you believe that? Yes. Can you believe that everything in your life, God has taken and gold's coming forth? Beauty is coming forth. God's taking ashes and he's making beauty out of those ashes. Everything in life, God's going to take. And one day when we're on the other side, we're going to be astonished over all the tough things of life and how God took those and made us more like his son. Finally, number five, kind of what I've been saying the entire message, trust God no matter what. Like this right here, I wish somebody would write a song to this. When I was writing this down, I felt like it's an anthem. Trust God no matter what. Believe. Walk by faith, not by feelings. Fight the good fight. Stay the course. Keep the faith. Stand. Watch. Stay sober. Be alert. Prepare yourself for whatever life may bring. Overcoming takes place before the trials hit. Be ready now. You overcome by no matter what is headed your way, you are going to trust God. I'm going to trust you, God. I can't figure this out, but I'm going to trust you. It doesn't make any sense. I'm going to trust you. I'm not feeling good. I'm going to trust you. It looks very dark. I'm going to trust you. I don't understand, God. I'm going to trust you. No matter what you do, God, I'm going to trust you. No matter what you allow, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe all things 
are going to shape my life and that you are involved intricately in everything that goes on. You don't cause everything, but you get right in there and you change me for the better. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand. I'm going to ask if our ministry team and uh, elders would come forth. If you need prayer this morning, I encourage you to come down here. If your faith has been weak, maybe you're here today and you've never asked a Jesus into your life. You've never trusted Christ. You've never asked uh, anybody, what does it mean to be a Christian? Come down. There'll be somebody here to pray for you and talk to you. Encourage you not to leave. If you're feeling stirred or this message has somehow has touched you, you come down. We'd love to pray for you. Meanwhile, may the Holy Spirit, may the Holy Spirit fill every single one of you. And may the Holy Spirit drive out any discouragement that's in you, drive out any feelings of guilt, shame, or self-condemnation. May this be a fantastic week for every single one of you. May you walk out of here under the grace and the glory and the power and the wonder of God. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.